We read the scripture as to not forget where we've come from and where we are going. That is towards Jesus. Take a moment to speak it out loud over your life, your family, and our world. Now let's read together. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. And we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Well, good morning again. My name is Matthew. If we haven't had a chance to meet one of the pastors here, I want to invite you to go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, hey, you're really important, and I'm glad you're here. Go ahead, tell them, you're really important, and I'm glad you're here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we've been studying this summer this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and we've made our way to chapter 12, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit today about gifting, about the spiritual gift that God's placed inside of you, and why He gives us those gifts, those abilities, and we're going to talk a little bit about those today. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 1. This is what it says. It says, Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Can we pray together? Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that over the next few minutes, you would help us understand Jesus better. You would illuminate truth to us, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth, the things that come from my heart and from my lips, God, today they would honor you, they would glorify you, and they would be true to your word. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart ready to receive what you want to say to each of us today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Uh, First thought that I want to share with us today as we kind of unpack Um, what Paul is trying to communicate to us in this chapter is this, and I hope you brought something to take some notes with today, and if you didn't, uh, grab your phone and jot some notes down, or go to faithchurchks.org on your mobile phone right now. You're like, I don't have self-signal. That's okay, we have free Wi-Fi just for you, because we live out here in the country, apparently, and nobody has good cell service, so free Wi-Fi just for you. You can hop on, go to faithchurchks.org, and can follow along with all of these scriptures, take some of your own notes as we jump into what God's word is saying today. Number one, here's what I want you to, to, to realize or understand that Paul is trying to say to us is this, God does not want you or me misinformed nor uninformed about spiritual gifts. There is a lot of misinformation and there's a lot of us who just don't have any 
information as it relates to this understanding of spiritual gifts. Now, specifically, we're going to be honing in on a group of nine gifts that Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians, but we're actually going to look at all of the different lists and categories today in Scripture uh, uh, that God says are gifts. Now, spiritual gifts are kind of the broad term that we use to talk about the abilities, the talents, um, the things that God does in you. It's kind of a broad category. And again, there are kind of three major groupings of these things throughout Scripture. And we'll talk about those here in a minute. But 1 Corinthians 12 is talking specifically about gifts of the Spirit. And I'll unpack what that means here in a minute. But really what he's talking about are these charismatic, Pentecostal streams of thought and understanding as it relates to the gifts of the Spirit, the activity of the Holy Spirit that is at work today. Now, there are many, many different streams of spiritual life and faith in, in our world, right? There, there's a lot of different, for lack of a better term, brands of uh, churches and brands of Christian thought and even theological categories that people have. And not every church believes the same thing about lots of the theological nuances of Scripture. We realize that. We're okay with that. We recognize that there may be some things that we believe that maybe you've never really thought of or heard of or, or even wrestled with. That's, that's all right. There's some humility that we all need to hold to and demonstrate as we approach things in Scripture and let God's Word say what God's Word says, more so than letting our experience dictate what we believe. And there are some things as it relates to the person of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that there are some um, streams of Christian thought, some theological areas where they would believe that the Holy Spirit his power, his gift, his work, healing, miracles, tongues, prophecy, uh, the baptism and fullness of the Spirit, that those things have stopped operating or being necessary for us in this day. It's called cessationism. They believe that, uh, some believe that it was only the, the 12 apostles who had it, and then it stopped after that. Others believe that the early church had the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit, but now we have the Bible, so we don't need the Holy Spirit's working anymore, and that's all ceased and fine and good, and so that's why we don't see those things, need those things, or operate in those things. Uh, I don't believe that. As I read Scripture, as I discover what I believe the Bible says, and we'll see here in a minute, and, and even next week we're going to talk a little bit more about it, because there's kind of a few verses that folks who think that the power and the working of the Holy Spirit are not existent today or not necessary for today or they have ceased to work today. There's one verse primarily in 1 Corinthians 13 that they often will use as kind of like a banner verse. And so next week I'm going to unpack us to a little bit more why I don't believe that that's what that verse is saying, that the Holy Spirit stopped working today. Um, but primarily one of the big reasons is as I read through the context of Scripture, I, I just believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that if the enemy of your soul is still working behind the scenes doing supernatural, mystical kind of things 
to steal, kill, and destroy your life, then why wouldn't the Holy Spirit of God still need to be in operation today and his power at work? Paul himself said in the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where he says, I didn't come with just eloquent speech. I didn't come just to persuade you with good doctrine, with fancy thought process and deep theological understanding. He said, no, I came not with that, but I came with a demonstration of power so that you could believe. And when we start talking about the power of God and the Spirit of God and the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit brings into our lives, there's just some understanding that I believe we need to have. Listen, everything in Scripture must be received and believed by faith. The fullness of God, your salvation, is not resting on your intellects alone. I think rational and logical thought have a lot to do with it. I'm a big fan of not turning off your brain when you read the Bible. But there is an element of faith and belief that you absolutely will have to wrestle and say, no, in some way, shape, or form, I'm just going to believe, and then I'll receive. And I believe that while there are different things, what Paul is about ready to talk to us about are the manifestations, the demonstrations, the visible activity and signs of the Holy Spirit's power. He uses this word manifestations here in a little bit. Um, that I do believe that these manifestations of the Holy Spirit, visions and dreams and tongues and healing and prophecy and knowledge and words of wisdom and, and all of these things, I believe all of these things are for us today. Now, I, I'll be really, really honest. I, I grew up in a charismatic environment. Um, and for the most part, it was a very, very healthy, um, act, biblically sound, anchored to the truth uh, teachings. But um, oftentimes, the reason why a lot of us are so quick to dismiss things of the Spirit are because there are some weird things that happen that people say are the Holy Spirit. Now, let me be really, really clear. The Holy Spirit is not weird. He is God. There are weird people. And with or without the Holy Spirit, they were still weird. Right? You know these people. Like, they're the kind of person that they're telling you a story, and you'll be like, oh, my gosh, I would so believe this story if it wasn't you telling it. <laughs> they say there's somebody weird in every family. You're like, no, 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 nobody's weird in my family. Really? If no one else is the weird one in your family, maybe you need to clear off your mirror a little bit. I remember as, uh, I was probably about 10 or 11, and we were at church, and one of our children's workers, uh, he would be one that I would definitely throw into the category of weird. He was trying to tell us a story about he was at McDonald's one day, and he was waiting for his food, and he had his Bible out at the table, and there was a fly that was buzzing around, and the fly landed on his Bible, and all of a sudden, the fly started to stumble around as if he was drunk on the power of the Holy Spirit, and I looked at him, and I was like, No. No way. The fly was probably had too much sweet tea and was sugar high, maybe. But I'm not so sure that you could say it was the Holy Spirit and the fly. I think you're an idiot. <laughs> when I say I've kind of seen some weird things that people would say were the Holy Spirit, I mean, I've seen some weird things that people call the Holy Spirit, and it wasn't. It was them. And they were weird. 
But there are some things that seem mystical, that seem supernatural, that seem to defy our safe confines of human experience. But friends, isn't that the God that we serve? And I do believe that if we're going to be bold enough to believe and pursue the things that scriptures say that we should pursue and that God says are available to us, I also think we need to be humble enough to admit when things are a little bit off and aren't quite Jesus-centered anymore. And it is true that there have been some charismatic, Pentecostal, I'll even throw in a word of faith, streams of faith and following Jesus that have done some great damage to the people of God and to the mission and to the purity and the truth of what God has said. I will absolutely stand here and say, yeah, I've seen them. And if you want to talk about those kinds of things, I'd I'd be happy to sit in dialogue with you. I'm telling you, I've seen them. I know that they're there. But that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is not valued and at work and his power still needed today. The Corinthian church was not the good kind of charismatic. They had gone crazy a little bit. They're what I like to call charismaniacs. Like chaos. They were living in a place where their church services had no order or structure to them. It was free for all. They were, uh, from their pagan thought process, deconstructing the need for actual leadership and saying we're all equal. Therefore, nobody needs to lead. Nobody needs to be in charge. We all are the same and equal in that manner. We don't need people to lead. We don't need people to show us. I have it. You have it. So why can't I have a say too? And there was no leadership. There was no order. There was no sensitivity to people who didn't have a faith in Jesus. They were selfish They were consumed with our own ways, and they had lost the proper use and reason for why these gifts were given to begin with. And the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and he says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers, sisters, I I know that we've experienced the power of the Spirit. I know that there's been a, a charismatic experience that we've had here in Corinth, and I came and I brought that power and demonstration to you, but I want you to realize you don't need to be ignorant anymore or in it misinformed about some of these things. And he was bringing back to order the right way to use them. He was not bringing back the order to throw them all away. He was giving them equipping so that they could walk out in the power. I'm teaching my daughter how to drive currently. She is being equipped to be a driver. But the minute I give her the keys, she also has the power. There have been many times where believers have gotten the power of the Holy Spirit, but no discipleship. And if you get behind a wheel of a car and you've got the power to control that car and use that car, but you've never been properly trained how to drive that car, there is some damage that can occur. And friends, that is often what has happened in the body of Christ. So that doesn't mean that nobody should ever drive and we all should go back to horseback. Dear God, please no. But it does mean that there's some proper training and equipping on how to use the power so that we can move forward in the things that God has for us. Number two, here's what I want us to understand. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you brothers and sisters to be uninformed. I think that charismatic gifts are 
of God, they are from God, and they are good. I think we need to understand this. This word gifts, everybody say gifts. This is the word charisma in Greek. This is why we call these gifts of the spirit the charismatic gifts, because in the Greek it is the word charisma. It's a gift. But at the root of that word charisma is the word charis, which we get our English word grace. The activity and the power of the Holy Spirit, don't miss this, is the grace in gift form. To reject the gifts of the Spirit would be, I would propose to us, to reject something good. It would be to reject a personification or a element or a part of the gift of grace God wants you to have. We would all stand up and say, oh, no, I need God's grace. We've defined grace as God's unmerited favor. It's something that you don't, it's a gift that you don't earn. Now, concerning gifts, friends, they are gifts from God. They are good, and they are of God. You might be sitting there thinking, well, Pastor, I've seen some of these gifts. I know some of the things you're talking about. Some of you are sitting here and be like, I don't know a word. I don't understand a thing you're saying. What are these gifts? Can we just get to it? I don't understand what they are. We're going to get to them in just a minute. Hold tight. But I want to unpack some of this for those of you who have been around the block a time or two, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. I want to talk to you for just, just two quick seconds. Some of us are like, well, how do I know it's from God? How do I know it's not just some emotional experience? How do I know it's not just some enthusiasm? How do I know people aren't just being crazy and being stupid and weird? It's a great question. I would love to answer that in our next upcoming Sunday Night Live in the fall. It's a great question to ask. But let me give you one way you know whether it's the Holy Spirit or something else. How do I know it's from God? How do I know it's of God? How do I know it's good? Here it is. Ready? It doesn't muddy the waters of who Jesus is. Listen, he says, I want you to know when you were pagan, somehow you were influenced and led astray by some mute idols. He goes on to say, therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God, in other words, nobody who's operating under the gifts of the Spirit, nobody who's operating the power of the Spirit can say, Jesus, be cursed. In other words, the testimony of their life will prove and reveal that they believe Jesus is the Son of God. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord. Unless the Holy Spirit's actually drawing them. I mean, sure, you could lie. Yeah, Jesus is Lord. But you lying. Your life, your activity, your faith, your belief, it believes that Jesus is Lord. In other words, that's a really pretty broad group of people who could be used by the Holy Spirit. And we like to control and what, and sometimes we just have to get back to the essentials. Do they love Jesus? Do they follow Jesus, and do they uh, give their whole heart to Jesus? Are they all about Jesus? Then let's just for a minute trust that maybe it is actually the Spirit of God. It doesn't muddy the truth about who Jesus is, the Son of God. Now, I told you that the world, in our world today, there are mystical things. There are uh, spiritual, quote-unquote, things. There are supernatural, quote-unquote, things. Things like uh, horoscopes, tarot cards, mentalists, psychics, and the etc. All of these are demonic substitutes of spiritual power where the Holy Spirit is not at work. It is a different spirit behind them. 
And if the enemy is at work doing those things, remember, everything the devil does is a lie and a copy of what God created and installed in the world. So if there are other mystical, supernatural, weird things going on that are kind of blowing our logical minds, but they're real and they've got some power and they've got some truth to them and all these things, then there is an alternative that is authentic, true, and of God. And these are the gifts of the Spirit. And these tarot cards and uh, uh, mentalists and psychics and palm readers and all of these things are selfish, self-centered approaches to your life to help you identify you better. You don't need to know you better. You need to know God better. And there's a danger even within certain personality tests that if the road is only leading back to you, you are leading down the wrong road still. Everything that we discover about our gifts and our talents and our abilities ought to lead us to a place that we understand the person of God better. Ought to lead us to a place that we understand how we partner in the kingdom of God better. If they lead us back to self-centeredness, self-assurance, and self-confidence, we have been sold a counterfeit. And the power of God and the spirit of God are given to us to move us in the direction of God in demonstration of his power and holiness and truth. It may be surprising to you today to realize that the earliest Christological heresy known as docetism denied Jesus' humanity, not his deity. This is what the Apostle John had to deal with in 1 John chapter 4. And this is one of the things the Apostle Paul is addressing right here in 1 Corinthians 12. They were believing that Jesus came and was fully God. He was a deity. That's why he could do all the, the power, supernatural things that he did. But Jesus didn't come only as God. He came fully as man. And if you read the Gospels correctly, you'll discover that Jesus didn't do anything miraculous until he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, until he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, until he was led by, filled up, powered, and baptized in the person of the Holy Spirit. And then he began to do miraculous works. Jesus did his miracles as a man, clothed, soaked in, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And there is a heresy of Christological experience, an idea known as docetism, still to this day saying that Jesus wasn't really man. He did all those things just as a God. He was God and he was man and one. And it's important that we understand these things. So, number one, God doesn't want us misinformed or uninformed about spiritual gifts. Number two, the charismatic gifts that we're about to read about are gifts from God, of God, and they are good. Because you have a good father in heaven who likes to give his kids good gifts. Number three, now we're going to get into the, the fun stuff. Number three, there are three broad groupings of gifts listed within Scripture. Three. Ephesians 4 talks about what's called the equipping gifts. I like to call them the gifts of the Son, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Romans 12 talks about a, a list known as what I call the innate gifts, or gifts of the Father. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you see what's called the manifestation gifts, or charismatic gifts. I like to refer to these as the gifts of the Spirit. Because that's how Paul referenced them, the gifts of the Spirit. And these gifts are really important. These are broad groups of gifts. In Ephesians 4, the reason I call them gifts of the Son, 
Well, there's multiple reasons. Uh, I'll tell you one scriptural or one just kind of it makes sense to me, brain. Let me give you the one that makes sense to me. We believe in a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I believe you are a three-part being. You are spirit, you are soul, and you have a body. Three in one. I love finding these little patterns of three in one. If there are three main groups of giftings in the Bible, why wouldn't there be gifts from the Son, gifts from the Father, and I don't know, gifts from the Spirit? Because God is just brilliant like that. But gifts of the Son, Ephesians chapter 4, it says this, and Jesus gave to the church the gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher to equip the saints for the works of the ministry, which means that your pastors are a gift from Jesus to you. That's right, I'm your gift. You can't return it or exchange it. Well, maybe you could, I don't know. Gifts of the... Gifts of the Son. Jesus gave apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Now, these, these gifts are specifically referring to a calling that God does in you that Jesus gives to some people to equip the church, the people of God, to do ministry. It's an equipping role. Things like apostle. Apostle is one who is sent. They think systems, visions, big picture. They piece things together and find out how the best use of something. They make it better than what it was. The apostles have this uh, flock vision instead of individual sheep vision. This is one of the callings that I have on my life. This is kind of how I operate a little bit. Uh, systems and big picture and thinking things together and thinking the big flock and so that sometimes the little sheep it's 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 one that was sent there's this vision i'm always thinking about what's next i'm thinking about what we need to do next where we need to go how's god moving looking at the big picture this is kind of what an apostle would do then you would think about a prophet prophet is somebody who knows things and communicates them they have a bible verse for everything uh, they, have, they believe in truth over everything. In other words, they are more committed to the truth of what the Bible says than how you feel about what the Bible says. And when you talk to them, that is quite evident. They don't really care about how you feel. They're just going to tell you how it is. Right? Like, there's very, empathy and compassion aren't real high on their list. They're very, very prophetic and to the point, and they like to point. They know some things of what God's word says. They know what he's doing. They know what's going on, and they communicate it. Then you have evangelists. Evangelists, these are the ones who love to get stuff done, right? They hate sitting in meetings and planning things. They just, let's go out to it. How do we get to it? Let's get started. Let's move forward. Let's get out there. They're natural networkers. They want to be with unsaved people. They don't really want to deal with the messes that Christians make. They don't really care. Christians, they're upset. I don't care. Let's go find somebody who's lost. Let's go get them saved, like, so their feelings got hurt. I don't care. Somebody else can clean it up. Hey, shepherd, show up, clean up the sheep pen. I'm going out and meeting some new people who need to know Jesus. They are always thinking about people who don't know Jesus. They are natural networkers, business people. If you were invited to church by a person, it is likely that that person has an element of an evangelist within them somewhere. Then you have shepherds. Some translations talk to them as, past, as pastors, but shepherds, these are the loving, caring. They're the ones that are going to walk with you and call you and sit with you and cry with you. And Man, they think about the sheep more than they think about the whole flock. 
They're, they're more about the one than they're thinking about the 99 because they have a natural shepherd element to them. And then you have teachers. Teachers understand matters and they speak them plainly. They, they take the prophetic truth that they hear or that they've heard and they make it personal to you. They take deep theological truths and make them very practical for you. This is another one of the callings on my life. This is kind of where I operate as somebody who equips. I've kind of got like the apostle thought process and some things, and I've got a little bit of teacher some things in, in there. And, and that's kind of like those are the two strongest in me, part of the calling that God has on my life, part of what he's placed me here to do to help us be equipped to do the works of God in our midst. Now, these calling gifts aren't necessarily a profession, but they are gifts from Jesus that are in operation within his body. They're important for us to understand what they are. So, so the, the gifts of Jesus or, or the, 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 the equipping gifts, because they're called to equip. Now, then in Romans 12, we get to the gifts of the Father. These are the gifts that are innate in every human being. Uh, let me make this really, really clear. I believe that there are traces of these gifts and abilities in every human being, saved or unsaved, redeemed or unredeemed, found or lost, however you want to say it. It is within this group of Romans 12, some, all of us will fit into at least one of these. You will see this innate fingerprint of God in your personality and character, one of these. And in Romans 12, you see these listed out. I'm not going to read the passage. You can go read it back on your own. But here are the gifts of the Father. Romans 12 talks about prophecy, serving or helps, teaching, encouraging, generosity, and mercy. These six, these are innate motivational gifts. This is what motivates you as a human being. This is what motivates you. This is where if you're doing one of these, you know you found your sweet spot. It's what fits like a glove. This is, this is really what motivates you to move forward. Now, now, the first one is prophecy. You'll notice that prophecy is listed in each of these categories. The role of an equipping prophet is different than that of an innate motivational gift of prophecy. The innate motivational gift of prophecy is somebody who's very intuitive, sees things black and white, keeps it simple, and is pretty direct. Something in you, prophecy, serving or helps. They're kind of behind the scenes. They're quick to jump to action. They'll do anything for you at any moment in time and don't really need thanks for it. They love to serve and help. They see a need, they meet a need, you don't even have to ask them to do it. Then you have people who, are, who have a teaching gift. These people uh, are the ones that no matter what, they will find a teachable moment in every moment of the day. This is what motivated my father. There were many teachable moments in my house. Long, long, long teachable moments. These are the ones who are always learning something and telling somebody something that they've learned. They're motivated by information and sharing that information. They ask lots of questions. Lots and lots and lots of questions. I often can spot this gift in people in our church because they always are asking me questions about everything. Doesn't matter what it is, they have a question because they want to understand, they want to learn, they need to know so that they can really tell somebody else. That's really what it comes down to. They're motivated in this way. Then you have the encouragers. 
These are the people that you meet, innate in them. They are just driven and motivated to encourage. They're like, yes, cheerleaders encourage you. They're like, oh, you can do it. Oh, yeah, no, you're great. Like, they're joyful typically. They just have a way of making you feel better about you in every conversation. I'm motivated this way a little bit. I love to just talk about you and tell you something nice and to compliment you. Some of you in conversation, you're starting to remember our conversations. You're like, oh yeah, no, no, no. He has always been kind of nice and kind. Yeah, I'm not manipulating you. I really am just trying to encourage you. Like I'm motivated by this. And then there are those of you who have a gift of generosity. You're motivated by being generous. There's something in you that comes alive when you get to be a part of a generous act. You're motivated by it. And then some of you are motivated by mercy. Oh, you cry at a drop of a hat. You feel compassion all the time. You look at people and you're like, oh, bless their heart. Like you just can't help it. You're like, can we give them another chance? Right? Like very rarely are principals of schools mercy motivated. <laughs> right? Correctional officers, not really mercy motivated. All of these are like how it operates. Think, think of it like this. Imagine all of these were at a table. They're all having lunch together and a server comes up. And as the server approaches with the food and the drinks and everything, everything spills. It crashes. It gets everywhere. A mess is made. Here's how all of these people show up in that moment. The prophet stands up and says, I knew it was going to come and I saw the wet spot. Nobody, they should put a wet sign there. Nobody put slippery when wet. There should have been a sign there. That was their problem. They should have fixed it. I'm telling you, I saw it coming. I knew it was going to happen. She was carrying too much. It wasn't going to work. It was all her. Somebody should have helped her. That was the problem. That's how the prophet responds in that moment. Then you've got the people who are there to help. They don't even think about it. They just jump up, grab like seven towels, walk over to the other table, and they're like, excuse me, I need your napkins real fast. Excuse me, oh, you have a napkin? Like grab it out of somebody's mouth and start helping to clean it up because they are motivated to serve. It's innate. It happens automatically within them. And then you have the teacher. They're like, oh, yep, yeah, we really probably could learn from this. I bet you if there was a different technique of how they would carry the tray, I bet you this wouldn't happen again. I probably ought to write a letter to the person who's in charge and contact the manager and ask them what their training protocols are. Because if their training protocols were a little bit different, y'all are laughing because you know it's you. And then there's the encourager. People are like me, oh, it's okay, honey. Don't worry about it. It's fine. No, no, it's really okay. It's all right. We're going to get it better. You'll get it next time. Not a problem. We're going to overcome. I believe in you. You can do it. Say this with me. I am not my mistakes. Come on, say it with me. I am not my mistake, right? Like, we're just there to encourage, give you a back rub. And then the person that's generous is already counting the hundreds. I'm going to leave them a really good tip. They need a good tip. They just need to know that it's okay, I'm just, gonna I'm just gonna bless them. And then the person who's merciful is right there. They, don't, they bypass the mess altogether and they just go to the server. It's okay, sweetie, I know it's probably your first day. We love you, we just, oh, come here, let me help you. Like, can I help you, what can I do for you? I'm so sorry this happened, it was our fault. I know it probably was our fault. <laughs> we probably ordered too many things, I'm so, so sorry. It's more than just your personality, friends. It's the fingerprint of God within you. And God created you to be you for a reason. They're the gifts of the Father at work in your heart and life. And then we get to 1 Corinthians 12 where we talk about the gifts of the Spirit or the manifestation gifts. We're going to start in verse 4. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. 
Now, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and every one, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, a manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, their interpretation of the tongues. These are the nine gifts. Prophecy. Hearing a message from heaven and declaring it to the people of God. Public tongues. People stand publicly, command the attention of the group in a way that says, I've got something that God, I believe God wants to say something to the group and the only way I know to say it is in this tongue and they give a tongue. And we'll, we'll talk about this in two weeks when we talk more specifically about the difference between a public use of tongues and the private prayer language of tongues. But 1 Corinthians 14 tells us that if there is a public tongue given, then there ought to be an interpretation that God is going to give. Sometimes to the same person, sometimes to a different person. But it has to be interpreted. Why? Because you need to understand what God is trying to tell you. What God is trying to tell the group. A tongue plus an interpretation is the same thing as prophecy. These are all of the, 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 the declarative gifts of the Spirit. Then the manifestation of the Holy Spirit comes in demonstra uh, demonstrative ways. Healing, miracles, and special faith. Healing. Friends, I... I've prayed for people who were in wheelchairs and they stood up and walked. I've prayed for people and, and been in places where blind eyes have been opened, where, where people whose hands were withered, we pray and all of a sudden it grew out. The faith of healing, I'm telling you, God still heals. Does everybody get healed? No. Why? I don't know. I'm not God. Healing. Miracles. Things that are supernaturally crazy to explain. You don't have any other way to say it was just a miraculous move of the Spirit. There are people that God gives this gift to for a reason. And then there are those who have special faith. This isn't like believing faith so you can get saved in Jesus. No, there's a special gift that the Holy Spirit activates in a moment to help you believe God for impossible things. It's a gift that the Holy Spirit gives you. Why? Because you need it in that moment. Something is going on that it's necessary. And then you have the discerning gifts. These gifts that are word of knowledge. What's a word of knowledge? It's a, it's a message that God gives to somebody to share with somebody else about information specific to that person that without God revealing it, they would have never known. I can tell you stories about this. And then you have word of wisdom. This is somebody who's got a message from God to another person, to a group of people, that is a word full of wisdom and application on what to do next. There have been many times I've been sitting in meetings with people and the Holy Spirit just starts to quicken and drops a word in my heart to share with somebody else. And it is the wisdom that they need that unlocks the situation that they're facing. It doesn't always happen that way, but often it does. Let me tell you about the word of knowledge. Some of you, you've been sat in this room and you're preaching and you're hearing me preach. And you're like, oh my gosh, pastor, 
It was like you followed me around all week long. That's exactly what happened to me this week. I can't believe it. It was just for me. Great. I had no idea. I'm just speaking what I think God has put on my heart. What is that? That's part of a word of knowledge delivered for you, for your good and your benefit. I don't know. I ain't got time to follow you around. Frankly, I don't want to. But the Holy Spirit knows what you need when you need it. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. Let me be real clear. Discernment is not one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Discernment is good. I think we can all operate them, but discernment is kind of like wisdom. We all need to use it. What most people call, I'm just using the gift of discernment here, Pastor. No, you're using the gift of gossip and criticism. Shut up. I'm just using some discernment. This is what I sense. No, no, stop it. You're just being critical. Discerning of spirits says, no, no, there's something behind this that isn't right. This is not of God. And there's a spirit behind it right now. There's something anti-God that is at work, and I'm, I'm aware of it right now. That's discerning of spirits. Listen, we can't look at these manifestations, these nine manifestations of the Spirit and say, we don't need those today. You know why we can't say that? Because the rest of 1 Corinthians 12 is all about parts of the body, not looking at other parts of the body saying, we don't need that anymore. Why do I believe the gifts of the Spirit are still in operation today? Because Paul said we can't look at those parts and say those gifts aren't needed anymore. No, they very much are needed today. Pastor, how do, how do you know that? Why? Because verse 11, all of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Why? Because there's a benefit that's necessary in the moment. There's something that's needed in this moment. There's something that the Holy Spirit knows needs to occur, and it's for the benefit and the encouragement and the edification of all of us to move us closer towards Jesus. Number four, these gifts are not to entertain or platform believers, but they are a tool that we need so we can partner with the Holy Spirit to accomplish the mission of Jesus. We read it in our passage today. This is why we all have a part to play. We all have gifts that are in operation in our lives. And, and these nine gifts, can I, can I just be real, real honest? About out of time, but I'm just going to do my best. You don't own one of these nine gifts. Because the gift is actually the person of the Holy Spirit. That's the gift. We all can have that gift. And any moment in our day, in any time, if we're willing to be used of the Lord in any situation, he'll, he'll bring up a gift. And he'll say, hey, 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 see that person over there? I want you to pray for him. They got a broken leg, and I want to heal him. Just pray for him. Every week we have a prayer team here to pray with you. Many times while they're praying, they discern something is going on behind the scenes. And I'll share that. Many times our prayer team will be praying and people will get healed. Many times people have been praying and they'll get a prophetic word to share with that person, some encouragement. I say it happens all the time. I'm just saying we have a team of people every week available after the service to pray with you. Why? Because we all have a part to play in helping each of us in the body move forward in the mission that God has for us. 
And when the moment is needed, when the time is right, when God knows I need to get a message to this group of people, he'll whisper something to somebody that he knows he can trust to deliver that message and deliver that gift. And they're at work and they're in operation in our world and in our lives. Friends, the gift is not the goal. The gift is just a tool to help us accomplish the goal. And that goal is to bring glory to Jesus and accomplish the mission on this earth. It's for the common good, not personal gain. It's, it's for the common good, not a charismatic, entertaining moment. Friends, I believe that you have a gift and you can receive the fullness of the Spirit. And the motivational, the innate gifts of the Father, and perhaps even the calling portions of the gifts of equipping, helping to equip the church. And one of those five kind of equipping roles, God's created you for a reason. And he's brought you into this body for a reason. To be a part, to be a contributing member. To, to be a part, to discover what that means. And some of you have never even thought about being gifted by God. You need to sign up today and join Growth Track. Because in week number two of our growth track, we help you discover and take some assessments and answer some questions that help you discover what maybe, just maybe, God has gifted you to do. And if you've been coming to our church for a little while and you still haven't gotten involved and you're not serving anywhere and you haven't really participated, it's time to join the mission of Jesus and be a part, discover your gifts and use them in service. The safest place in the world to learn how to practice and get better at the gifts that God has given you is the local church. It's not the only place we serve, but it is the best training ground for learning how to serve in the world that we're around. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to come to the Lord's table. Go ahead and grab the elements. And go ahead and, yep, you got it. Just go ahead and open the top layer. It makes a lot of noise. It's a lot of fun. And then go ahead and open up the next layer. Get the juice open and in one hand hold the bread and in the other hand hold the cup. You just bow your heads and just simply whisper the prayer, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Maybe for you, it's time to start rereading some of the Bible and seeing how the operation of the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life. Maybe for some of you, it's time to get off the bench and get in the game, start serving, and you need to sign up and be a part of Growth Track. Some of you, maybe today you walked in and you're dealing with something and you need somebody to pray with you you know your next step today is just to go to the prayer team and get prayer today. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Father, as we come to the table, Lord, we, we come to the table every week not out of religious exercise or repetition, but Lord, it's a moment to consecrate ourselves to you, to recognize that the bread and the juice are what bond us together in common union. We call this Holy Communion. And Lord, we know that we're here in this body. You put us here for a reason. And Lord, we want to be people 
willing to be a part. Though there are people here today as we get ready to take communion, they, they're not sure they're really in on all this Jesus stuff yet. They're still exploring and they're checking it out. Lord, I pray that the testimony that they see from the other people around would reveal not only your love for them, but your power to transform each of us. Lord, may we be living examples. And that's what we're asking you to do as we take these, this bread and the juice. Let's take the bread, which is his body. And now the juice, which represents his blood. Lord, today, Lord, you've stirred our hearts in some way. Lord, may, may we take a next step and attend growth track. God, may we take a next step, get from prayer. May, will you help us to take a next step and lean in to your word? Lord, today I pray that you would unite us at the cross, helping us recognize that we are a part of your body and we all have a role, a part, something to contribute and play. May we not disqualify ourselves when you have qualified us by your blood and by your work of Christ, the cross of Christ in our lives. You're the one who makes us worthy and able and it's your gifts that you give to us. May we just use them well. I speak blessing over here, my friends and family today. Would you bless them and keep them? Would you make your face shine on them and be gracious to them? Would you lift your countenance towards them and give them peace? In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray. And all God's people said, Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.